0: welcome all of you joining us online. We're so glad that you're with us as well as our Somerset campus and the Laurel County Correctional Center. We're so glad you're with us. Obviously, all of you here in London, we're glad that you're with us. Would you guys welcome our online audience? Let them know how glad we are to have them. We really are glad to have you guys here in the room. And uh, my name's Austin Upchurch. If you don't know me, I'm one of the pastors here. And uh, I get the privilege of starting a three-week series today called This Change is Everything. And uh, Trevor will be back next week for week two of the series. But uh, what I want to do today is if you don't know me, I'm going to try to throw you a couple of stories about me that maybe help you get to know me just a little bit. And we'll start with this one. In my second year of fifth grade, um, and you heard that right, so you can infer whatever you need to infer about me based on that, but in my second year of fifth grade, I had a good friend and his name was Todd. And uh, Todd and I, you know, we were good buddies. And uh, one week during the summer, I happened to be, uh, I was living with my dad at the time. My parents were separated. And um, so in the summer, you know, your parents work and and you get to stay home sometimes. You get to go to your friend's house and hang out. And you know, it's like parents trying to figure out what to do with their kids while they're not at school, right? So uh, Todd called me one day and uh, Todd said, hey, uh, I found out some information. And the information that Todd had found out was that my girlfriend, and Todd's girlfriend were both hanging out at my girlfriend's house today. And so Todd basically said, if you can get over to my house, we can try to get over to their house, all right? And uh, I was like, sign me up. So I went to my, mom, my stepmom mom was like, hey, can I go to Todd's house, you know? And she said, sure, yeah, we're just gonna play, you know, Super Nintendo, whatever. And uh, yeah, so she took me over there. So Todd's mom was at work. Uh, she was supposed to get home at four o'clock. And uh, we decided we've got to get to my girlfriend's house because both of our girlfriends are there. And I'm just going to be honest with you. I was trying to get a little sugar. <laughs> There's no sense of lying. All right. Now, if you're a student, you're in the student ministry, don't, don't do as I do. All right. There's a lesson in this for you as well. But there was a problem. Okay. So we wanted to get to the girl's house. You know, I'd never kissed a girl before. And I was like, today's the day. Today's the day, Lord, it's gonna happen. Lord, give me strength, give me courage, give me the knowledge you know what to say, you know, whatever. And, uh, but there was a problem. The problem is that their house was about eight to 10 miles away from Todd's house. But, you know, for two young, resourceful fifth graders, actually he was in sixth grade, I was in fifth grade for the second time, that was no problem at all because Todd owned a scooter a motorized scooter, to be exact. Uh, it could be called a moped, I guess. Somebody told me if it ha- doesn't have pedals on it, you can't call it a moped. I don't know if that's true. But anyway, it was uh, not, if you're thinking of a motorcycle, you're thinking of the wrong thing. Let's just put it that way. But it did have a motor. Uh, but it was such a, such a weak machine that, that, that I kid you not, when we rode on it together, if we started going uphill, I had to jump off and run beside it. All right. It wouldn't carry us both up a hill and that's the God's honest truth. So um, we, we decide we're going to drive this scooter to our girlfriend's house and uh, maybe get some sugar. We'll see how it goes. <laughs> and um, if you have a picture in your mind right now of Harry and Lloyd on Dumb and Dumber, <laughs> you're, you're in the right ballpark. Okay, this is kind of what it looked like. So we start to leave Todd's subdivision, and it crosses Highway 27 uh, right outside of his subdivision up in Science Hill, Kentucky. And if you don't know what Highway 27 is, the big highway, it's, it's, it's like 80 or whatever, it's a lot of traffic, you know, semis, not a place you want to be scooting across. <laughs> but luckily for us, they were doing construction at that intersection that day. So we get up to, to, to pull across, the two of us sitting there, and the guys holding the signs for the construction crew look at each other and they're like, no, nah, whatever. So they stop traffic to let these two idiots by on a little scooter. So we do that because we were taking the back roads, okay? Um, we, didn't, we didn't think it would be smart. We at least had enough intelligence to say, hey, we don't need to drive this thing on a major highway, right? Anybody, any, any, any genius can figure that out. So... We take the back roads. And again, we're going up and down hills. I'm having to get off and jump back on and all this. Well, we finally get there. And as promised, there's our girlfriends. They're there and their parents aren't home. And uh, again, this is not a story for you uh, students. Just plug your ears. And uh, so me and my girlfriend, we were jumping on the trampoline and talking to his girlfriend. I don't even know where they went. I was so nervous. I don't even know where I was. Uh, but I was trying to work up the nerve. I was like, okay, maybe, maybe now's the time. Maybe I, how does this work? Maybe I should lean in. Maybe I should say, what should I say? Maybe I should say something, you know? So I'm like nervous, scared the whole time, trying to figure this out. And uh, long story short, uh, we look at our clocks at one point, and it's about 4.15, 4.30, sometime between 4.15 and 4.30. I'm like, oh, snap. Todd's mom's supposed to have been home at 4.00. And we've been, you know, sitting over here trying to get sugar, and we've been too scared to do it this whole time, procrastinating, and now we're going to be late, all right? So I jump off the trampoline, don't even get any kiss, don't even give a kiss, all right? Didn't happen. Uh, So so I jump off the trampoline, I go over to Todd, like, dude, it's like 4.15. He's like, oh, crap. So we go, we jump on the scooter, and then we have a stroke of genius. We're going to take Highway 27 back to Todd's house. (sighs) because that's going to be faster. And before we get to the part of the subdivision that we came out of, if we take 27, we hit the back entrance of the subdivision, right? So if his mom got home on time and she's looking for us, we can always say, we were just driving around in the subdivision. You know, we were in here. We were just, you know, we're allowed to do that. No big deal. We're just cruising around subdivision. You didn't see us, right? (laughs) And so, um, We're cruising down Highway 27, okay? Legitimately, us two, uh, fifth graders. And then the absolute worst thing that could have happened for us happened. We ran out of gas right there. Now this is like road rumble strip weeds, okay? There's no shoulder. So we're out of gas. We can literally see the entrance, the back entrance to Todd's subdivision. So it's like, we're this close. We're praying hard, okay? So we get over in the weeds, literally, and we're pushing this scooter. Me and him, I'm on one side, he's on the other. We're pushing this scooter, basically jogging, trying to make it. We're so close. We're almost there. We're gaining ground. And then, out of my peripheral vision, I saw this navy blue, Toyota Camry pulled up beside us. I was like, that looks like Todd's mom's Toyota Camry. <laughs> and sure enough, it was. it was. It was Marnita. That was her name. And uh, then we saw brake lights in front of us, and then she kind of pulled off to the side as much as she could, and, and she got out of the car. And uh, this is kind of what it was like. I mean, she was livid. She was hot. She was on fire, okay? And, and, and she should have been, for those of us who have children, all right? You come home at 4 o'clock. Your kid's not there. You're looking around for them. They didn't leave you a note. They didn't tell you where they were going. There was no cell phone back then. We couldn't just text her and tell her. No note. And she's been looking for us for 45 minutes, so she has every right to be angry. She looks at Todd, and she says, you know better. And Todd says, no, I don't. <laughs> and I thought it was funny at the time. But I didn't laugh. So she says, you finish pushing at home. You go in the back entrance, and I'll meet you at the house. And we'll talk about this there. So Marnita gets in the car, and she goes, and here we are, man. We're busted. We're busted big time. No way we're wiggling out of this. So close, man, so close. So we're pushing this, this moped the rest of the way. All of a sudden, Todd stops, just kind of slows down on me, and I kind of like look up at him, and he does this. Just like that, real sassy. I said, What? He said, We forgot about the reserve tank. (laughs) So, for those of you who don't know what that is, it's not really a tank. But basically, when you run out of gas, there's these these straws in your gas tank, and there's a reserve straw that's a little shorter than the other one. So when you run out, you can turn it to reserve, and you can can kind of slurp up the gas that's in the bottom of the tank. And sure enough, with 100% certainty, if we had remembered the reserve tank, we would have made it home. We would have made it into the subdivision. Marnita would have never known. Everything would have been fine. We were just driving in the subdivision. Playing out, you know, on the scooter. You know. If we'd have just known. If we'd have just remembered the reserve tank. Now, this is what the little lever actually looks like, if you're not familiar with this, okay? This thing is about the size of maybe a half dollar. It's tiny. And all we needed to do was turn this little lever right here 90 degrees to reserve. We're that close. We're 90 degrees. This little bitty lever, that close from changing Everything. So we get home. Todd's mom, she sends him to his room. I don't know how long he got grounded. I don't know what happened to him. Didn't care at the moment. All I cared about was, Marnita, please, dear Lord, don't tell my parents. (laughs) I begged this woman. I begged her. And I was begging God at the same time because she might have grounded Todd, but I was getting my hind end beat when I got home if my dad knew about this, all right? So Todd's in his room. I beg her, by the grace of God, that lovely beautiful woman agreed to not tell my parents what had happened and I was thanking her, I was thanking her, I probably actually got down and said thank you, After I was probably already down there because I was begging I said I'll do anything whatever you want so for about the next three or four months, Marnita kind of held that over my head. Anytime I was out in public with her and my parents were around and she wanted something, she might ask me to go at a ballgame game, run a concession stand and get something. And if I was like, no, she was like, Bobby, which is my dad, Bobby. And I'd be like, yes, Ma- oh, no, no, no. Marnita, what, what, what do you need? I'll go get it for you. I, I'll pay for it. You mean pay for it? I'll pay for it. Whatever you need. I'm here to serve you. And she did, man. She held that over my head. And, and, and on top of that, I had to live with the fear, you know, like when you're a kid and you're not really sure if your parents know or not, but you think they probably maybe could know. I had to live with that fear too. Like she, she told them, she had to tell them, right? There's some kind of parent code that exists where like, if they do this, you have to tell, right? She probably should have, but apparently she didn't. But all of this could have changed. All of this could have been avoided by a 90 degree turn of a little lever that's about the size of a half dollar little bitty thing and the point is that small changes can make a big big difference right how many of you guys know that a small change can make a really big difference you've experienced that in some way awesome well to illustrate this a little bit further I want to show you three images now if you're a person who is a perfectionist and grammatical errors drive you crazy you may want to close your eyes for the next three examples. You've been warned, all right? Small changes make a big difference. This is a sign that was at a Goodwill. Your donation just helps someone get a job. (laughs) See what difference a little period makes. Just a little period. Next is a picture of Rachel Ray on the front of Tales Magazine, which states, Rachel Ray finds inspiration in cooking her family and her dog. Somebody needs to throw some commas in there and get Rachel some counseling. And my personal favorite, attention, toilet only for disabled elderly pregnant children. (laughs) Thank you for shopping with us. Hey, they threw that in there, that was kind. But man, just a little comma (laughs) could have made a huge, huge difference. The point, as I said, is that small change can make a big difference. Small little things. Small change can make a big difference. It can make a big difference grammatically about what something means, but it can also make a big difference in our lives. Small change can make a big difference in our lives, and that's not intuitive to us. We don't naturally think that. We think, ah, this thing's insignificant, this thing's small, it doesn't really matter, it's not gonna amount to much actual change in my life. But the truth is, the reason that we are not able to change a lot of times as human beings is because we try to change too big. We try to make huge changes. Think about it, right? You're like, I'm gonna lose 10 pounds. You're like, I'm getting a gym membership. I'm going every morning at 4.30 in the morning. I'm not drinking dairy anymore. I'm only drinking water, no meat. I'm only eating vegetables, no gluten, no sugar, no happiness. Right? It's like I'm changing everything just drastically. And then three days later, they're like, would you like fries with that? And you're like, yeah, a biggie size it too," <laughs> And a Diet Coke. Uh, that's just how we are. The biggest hurdle to us being able to change sometimes as human is because our change we try to make is, it's way too big because we don't necessarily believe that this little thing can change anything in our lives. And so for the next three weeks, what we're going to be talking about is this little thing. It's one word that can have huge implications on how you experience life. It's this little word right here, Gratitude. Gratitude. I know it seems insignificant, and I know it seems small. But small change can make a big difference. Now, when it comes to gratitude, we all expect people to be grateful. We all expect people to say thank you. We all expect people, whenever we do something for them, to appreciate that and to respond by saying thank you or some other way of responding. And one of the things that drives me nuts and and if you're honest, it probably drives you nuts too, is if I'm out in public and I hold the door open for a complete stranger and they walk past me and don't even acknowledge me or say thank you, that makes me mad. I'm like, what is wrong with you? I don't even know you. And I, I just held this door open for you. I didn't have to. I didn't do it so that you would say thank you. I don't need people. I'm not going around like, hey, say thank you. And I'm like filling up my thank you meter so I can go live a good life. I don't need it. But you should just say thank you, right? Just say it. It's easy. A couple months ago, I was at an event. I was at a live event or an event and uh, there was a catering uh, team and I happened to be in the kitchen. I wasn't a part of the team. I was just back there and uh, it was like this big industrial sink and it had multiple levers. It wasn't just real simple. It wasn't like turn the lever and the water comes on, which we would expect the sink to be. And this lady who was, who was working with the sink, she was having a horrible time. She couldn't get the water to come out of the right place and whatnot. She was getting super frustrated and I kind of overheard her getting frustrated. So I thought, hey, I'll go help her. You know? Be a nice thing to do. She's getting frustrated, so I go over, mess with the sink a little bit, and I get the water coming out where she needs it to come out, kind of standing there. And she goes, fills her thing up with water, turns away and goes. Doesn't make eye contact, doesn't say thank you, and I'm like, what is wrong with you? And on some level deep inside of me, something's disrupted and I'm like, you entitled little, you know. You guys know what I'm talking about? Does that bug you guys like it bugs me? Maybe I'm just, I'm probably just bad. I'm just a bad person, (laughs) bad dude. But man, we recognize ingratitude when we see it in other people. We recognize it right away and it makes us mad. We hate it when we see it. You know who we hate it in? We hate it when we see it in our kids right? When we see it in our grandkids, when we see it in anybody in the younger generation, we hate when we see that. You know what the, 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 word that I wanted my little girl to know the most Ellie was thank you. And she can say it. And every time we leave somewhere, it's, Hey, say, thank you. Say, thank you. Because we want our children to be grateful because we recognize ingratitude gratitude when we see it in others. But here's the deal. If I was to ask all of you, hey, if you're a grateful person, raise your hand. Most of us in this room would raise our hand, right? We would, most of us, raise our hand. We would say, yeah, I'm a grateful person. I feel grateful for things. and You know, I've got a lot and God's been good to me and, you know, I've got good things happening in my life and maybe I have a home and I have electricity and food and I'm not, you know, I made it here today in a car or somebody brought me or whatever. You know, I'm a grateful person. I feel grateful. But the truth of the matter is that more often than not, we feel a lot more grateful than we actually are. We feel a lot more grateful than we actually are. And ingratitude is very, very difficult to see in the mirror, but it's easy to see in somebody else. When we see it, it disrupts something within us, relationally with that person. And this isn't unique to us. Jesus dealt with this exact same thing and Luke recorded it in his gospel, the book of Luke. And in Luke chapter 17, he says this, now on his way to Jerusalem, that's Jesus. He's on his way to Jerusalem to complete his mission here on earth. He's going to be crucified. Jesus traveled along the border between Samaria and Galilee. And as he was going into a village, 10, how many, how many, 10 men who had leprosy met him. They stood at a distance, and they called out with loud voices, Jesus, Master, have pity on us. Have pity on us. Essentially, they were saying, see our condition, empathize with us, and want to help us, please. Now, the condition that they were in was terrible. Leprosy was a terrible, terrible affliction to have. It had terrible physical implications and it had terrible social implications. Essentially, if you had leprosy, you would have these open sores all over your body that could come up and they would take months for them to ever go away. You could fall asleep as a leper in your extremities, your fingers and your toes. They they could fall off, they could be chewed off by an animal and you you not even know it. You had a terrible, terrible smell. Beth Moore, who is a Christian author and speaker, she talks about going on a trip and she went to a leper colony and she told herself and she told God and she prayed uh, that that she'd be able to do it, that she was gonna walk into the leper, uh, the building where the lepers were, that she was gonna go in there, she was gonna be with them just like Jesus did. And she got there and she could not make herself go inside because of the stench, because of how bad the smell was. She was afraid if she went in, she would vomit, and she didn't want to do that in front of them. That's how bad this was, and so socially, you were ostracized, you were separated. You were stuck with all the other unclean people. No more intimacy with your wife, your husband. No more hugging and kissing your little boy, your little girl. You're separated, and when people got close to you, You were required to say, unclean, unclean, and announce yourself as diseased so that they couldn't catch it. This is the situation that these 10 men are in. Terrible, terrible place to be. And then, when he saw them, when Jesus saw them, he said, Go and show yourselves to the priests. Because back then you had to go to a priest to declare you clean or unclean. And as they went, they were cleansed, they were healed. Is that awesome or what? These guys are heading to the priest, they're walking along and all of a sudden they look down and they feel different and there's no more sores and they don't stink anymore and they don't hurt anymore and they realize we're healed. Their lives completely changed in an instant. And so, what did they do? Obviously, they stopped what they were doing. They stopped moving. They turned around. They ran back to Jesus. They got down on their knees and they said, Thank you. Thank you, Lord. Master, thank you for changing our lives. Thank you for healing us. Thank you for giving us new life. We love you. We owe you everything. Thank you. You are God. Obviously, that's what happened, right? That's what you would do, right? That's what I would do, surely. Ten of them healed. And here's what it says. One of them. One of them. When he saw that he was healed, he came back praising God in a loud voice. He threw himself at Jesus' feet. He thanked him, and he was a Samaritan. And what that means is that he was just of a different tribe from the Jews. They were of different tribes. They had history. Things weren't good. They weren't even allowed to to speak to each other. The Jews would go around Samaria if they were traveling just to avoid dealing with a Samaritan. But this Samaritan comes back and he says, thank you. He says, thank you. And we can recognize the ingratitude of the nine, right? When we hear this story, we go, how how could they not come back? He's just changed their entire life. He's just healed them. He's essentially given them life. And they don't even come back and say thank you. What a bunch of entitled jerks, right? We see it. And that same thing that we feel when someone doesn't say thank you, when someone shows us ingratitude, it seems as if Jesus feels this Jesus asked this one Samaritan that came back we're not all 10 cleansed where are the other nine has no one returned to give praise to God except this foreigner which is to say this one guy who actually has a reason socially to not come and talk to me he came and said thank you and nobody else it seemed to disturb something in Jesus it seemed that Jesus felt as if something was wrong here, that relationally things weren't complete and things weren't whole. And it's really easy for us to look at this story and to hear this story and to picture this story in our mind's eye and identify the ingratitude and hate it, and hate it. But here's the truth, here's the bottom line. The reason that we think we are much more grateful than we really are has just been illustrated in this story. And it's this right here. Unexpressed gratitude communicates ingratitude. Unexpressed gratitude communicates ingratitude. Because you see, we could probably go to some of those other nine guys and say, you weren't even thankful. And they would say, oh, we were thankful. I was thankful. I felt grateful but they didn't express it. They didn't do anything with what they felt. Has anybody in here besides me ever said something to your spouse that you wish you could take back? Anybody bold enough to admit such a thing, an atrocity? Well, I certainly have. Thanks for the honesty. You know that feeling like you're, you're arguing maybe and all of a sudden you say that thing and it's like, I it's, promise you, immediately when you say it, like as soon as the word's released, you're like, no. You know what I'm talking about? It's like you released a flock of doves and you're trying to get them back. I mean, as soon as you say it, you're like, no, oh, I shouldn't have said that. But then you try to do better over time, right? And I'm trying to do better with things like that. And so now there's times whenever I'm, I'm maybe in the heat of an argument with somebody or whatever, and I feel this stuff rising up in me, and I want to say something, and then it gets about here. And by the grace of God, I'm like, no, I'm not going to say that. And then they don't ever feel the implications of what I was about to say. It's the same way with gratitude, except it's the opposite. See, they don't feel the negative effects of what you were about to say and you're real grateful that you didn't say it. But when you don't express gratitude, they don't get to feel the positive effects. They miss out on something. And you, you miss out on something. William Arthur Ward said that feeling gratitude and not expressing it, it's like wrapping a gift and not giving it. It would be like, I thought about doing this. I thought about starting a service off and having a, an iPhone, whatever they are, the new one, the fancy one, right, sitting right here in a box and acting like Oprah or something and be like, we got everybody an iPhone. We got everybody a brand new iPhone and then sitting it down. And when I got to this point in the message, I was going to say, yeah, we got you an iPhone, but we're not going to give it to you. Well, what's the point? That's what ingratitude is like. It's like having a present. It's like you went through the trouble of going to the store, finding it, and buying it, and wrapping it, and then you don't even give it. That's just dumb. It's just dumb. They're missing out on something that they need, and you don't know it, but you are too. You are too. Then Jesus says to this guy, Rise and go. Your faith has made you well. And you might be thinking, wait, I thought he was already healed. Yeah, he was healed physically, just like all the others. All 10 were healed physically. But this, this speaks of something deeper, of something more, of a spiritual wholeness, a spiritual healing that only he received. And how did he receive it? By showing gratitude, by showing gratitude. See, goodness and kindness, when it comes your way, it requires a response. It requires a response. We should respond to goodness when we see it, kindness when we receive it. We should respond in gratitude. And when we don't express gratitude, we are missing out on something that God desires for us. We're missing out on a part of the human experience that Jesus wants us to experience. We're missing out on that. And we follow Jesus to live the best life possible. We follow Jesus so we don't have to live a lesser life than we have to live. And why would we wanna miss out on something that he has for us? Why would we withhold gratitude? Why would we do that? Because here's what happens. I know maybe you're thinking, okay, this can't be that big of a deal, dude. You're like doing the preacher thing where you try to make things real dramatic and seem like a bigger deal than they really are. But here's the deal. Whenever we don't respond with gratitude, because the proper response is, is praise. It's just what this one guy did. It's to come back and say thank you. And that's praise. But when we don't respond in praise we begin to develop pride. And we don't even know it, it's a small thing, it's a subtle thing. But when we withhold gratitude, when we just feel it and we don't actually express it, we start to develop pride, a little little seed of pride is planted within us. And then over time, that small little thing, it turns into a big thing. And before you know it, you're sitting in the middle of your life complaining about everything around you and everybody around you. None of it's good enough. And it's all their fault that you're in the situation you're in. And you're full of entitlement and pride. And I promise you, if you can learn to express gratitude, you can change that about your life. You can change that about how you see the people around you. You can change the way that you see your circumstances. Here's the deal, here's the the homework for the week, here's the takeaway, it's very simple, but remember, A small thing, a small change can make a very big difference. Here it is. Choose to express gratitude this week. Just this week. That's all I'm asking for. Just this week. I want you to to be aware of and conscious of and look for goodness and kindness coming your way. Maybe even going somebody else's way. Maybe it's just as simple as if you're one of those people who don't say thank you, just say thank you. Just say thank you. Maybe it's, it's more complex than that for you. Maybe you need to think back in your life. You need to think back about people who helped get you where you are, people who have impacted you and invested in you and believed in you, inspired you, given you things. And maybe you just need to give them a call and say, I appreciate what you did for me. Maybe you need to invite them to lunch, take them to lunch, take them to dinner, take them to coffee. But there's somebody, if you'll think back, there's somebody in your life. And the truth is you may not have a great relationship with them. It may have ended badly. But there's somebody in your life that that if you'll look at it, if you'll think about it, you have reason to thank them. And you should do that this week. Just for this week, choose to express gratitude. Now, I'm going to give you two stories, one where I got this wrong and one where I got this right, to help you see what this can really do for you. So about a year and a half ago, I was in Los Angeles with Zach, our worship leader, and Jared Adams, who runs our Upfront ministry. We were there to help New Wine Community Church, was a church that we partner with here at the Creek. And uh, we were having lunch, and we were sitting in this uh, Union Square Market. It's kind of this open-air market with all kinds of little places you can get food. And this was at like the height of uh, race relations, were, were, were terrible between police and minorities, and people were being shot, and it's just terrible, terrible situation. I was all over the news, and um, I looked over, and I saw two police officers, LAPD, and they were ordering lunch, and one was a Caucasian, and one was a um, African American. And I, I, I felt, man, you should go over there, and you should just say, "Hey, I just want you guys to know that I appreciate you, and I'm praying for you." Can I pray with you, real quick? Now, you would expect a person who stands up on a stage and talks to you, to be like, "Yeah, I can do that, no problem." But the truth is, all these other thoughts started popping into my head. What if they think that that's the dumbest thing ever? <laughs> What if, you know, you go over there? I mean, that's just, you're gonna, they're gonna be like, who, do, who are you to tell me this? Why are you coming over here to tell me this? How weird, this is just weird. These guys are just trying to have lunch, Austin. Leave these people alone. So I didn't do it. And I'm, I'm not kidding you, for the rest of the day, it bothered me because I knew with 100% certainty I should do this. And you know what it was? It was God. It was the Holy Spirit saying, do this, do this. Be grateful, express gratitude, and I squashed it, and I did not do it, and so I missed out, and they missed out on that moment, and it was bothering me, and I was talking to Zach that night, and I told him about, I was like, well, we were sitting at lunch, and I noticed this, and I told him the story, and I said, I should have done it. He goes, yeah, you should have done it, <laughs> and he's right, and I'm grateful for friends who tell me the truth, but it bothered me, and I wonder, what did they miss out on Maybe, maybe something in the word that I was going to say to them would have given them a courage that they needed that day to face something that they needed to face. And God prompted for that to happen, but I squashed it. But then there was one time, Trevor did a message, and he ended it similar to this, basically saying, hey, go thank somebody. Think back on people that got you where you are. And this one man popped into my mind. And when he popped into my mind, I said, no, Lord not him because I had a relationship with this person in the past in ministry and things didn't work out perfectly and we had a lot of tension in the end and we parted ways and I was angry about it even, even back then when I was listening to the message Trevor was preaching but this man popped into my mind and it's, as, as much as I knew that day sitting in that market that I was supposed to go talk to these guys I knew I was supposed to call this guy <sighs> I remember where I was when I made the phone call. I was crossing the interstate up here on 80, heading this way towards the church. I was praying he wasn't gonna answer. (laughs) Sure enough, he answered, hello? I said, hey, I called his name, and I said, this is Austin up church." He said, yeah, how are you, man? You know, a little small talk. Finally, I said, okay, look, um, I don't really have a major reason for calling you, other than I just wanted to say that I appreciate you. And I know things ended kind of badly and maybe things, you know, relationally aren't great between us and maybe we don't see eye to eye on everything, but if it wasn't for you, I probably wouldn't even be in ministry right now. I don't even know, you know, where my life would be. And you taught me so many great things and helped me and I just want to say thank you. And I promise you, it was like a thousand pounds went off of my shoulders because I was carrying this around and we talked for about 15 minutes after that. We had a great conversation. And every time I've seen this man since, we've had incredible conversation. And that relationship has been restored. And who knows what will come of that? Who knows what that's done for him or what that's done for me. But a small change, even, even just being gracious, being, being having gratitude for a week, it'll start to change some things in you. Because when you choose to praise, you don't develop that pride. You see things for how they are, and no longer are you complaining about everything, but you're grateful for it. So who is it for you? Who is it that this week you need to express gratitude? It's not enough to feel it, we have to express it. It's not enough to say, I feel grateful, because they don't know that. They need you to show it, they need you to tell them. So who are you writing a note to? Who are you calling? Who are you taking to lunch this week? Who are you giving a gift? Who do you need to say thank you to? And I appreciate you. Maybe it's a parent. Maybe you're a child and you need to say, you know what? Thank you that we have electricity, that you go to work and we have electricity. Thank you that you give me food to eat. Maybe you're an adult And it needs to be your parent. Maybe you need to call your parent. Maybe you don't have the greatest relationship, but you know what? They've done some good things for you. And maybe you need to just focus on some of those good things and try to forget some of those other things and not focus on them and say, thank you for what you did for me. Maybe it's a coworker. Maybe it's an ex-coworker or a boss or an ex-boss. Whoever it is, you'll know. Express gratitude to them this week. Let me pray for us. Father God, we're so grateful to you, Lord, for giving your son, Jesus, for us. And God, we're grateful that Luke recorded this story so we could know that Jesus felt a very similar emotion that we feel when we see ingratitude. And and God, we know it's hard to see ingratitude in the mirror. And so, Lord, we pray that you would reveal that to us, Lord, and, and not let us think that we're more grateful than we are, Lord. I pray that you would give us opportunities this week, Lord, that you would open our eyes to see how good we have it. How much good comes our way from other people and our circumstances, and how much kindness, and Lord, that we would react to that, we would respond to that this week with gratitude, with an expression of gratitude, not just a feeling of gratitude. And we thank you for what you're going to change in our lives and how you're going to make us whole because of it. It's in Jesus' name that we pray together. Amen.